0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Hundo's Web 3 Waffles. I'm delighted today to be joined by Warren Parker Mills, who, amongst other things, is the CEO of Before Stores, the Fashion Meta Club, an advisor to the Metaverse Fashion Council, and the host of Behind the Brands podcast. Um, So fantastic to have you on today and to spare some time with us, given you're clearly very busy, given the amount of roles you have. (laughs) Thank
1: you, Scott. Yeah, it's a delight to be here. Really, um, real pleasure to, uh, to to be associated with Hundo. Actually, um, I'm loving what you guys are doing. So, uh, yeah, I've uh, I've been very fortunate to interview Esther as well. So um, that show will come out in a few weeks' time, which yep. uh, which is something to look forward to. But yeah, great to be here, and uh, wonderful to be talking to you and your audience.
0: Yeah, say thank you very much for coming on. I mean, just to kick off, I always ask all my guests: Can you tell us your your journey into the metaverse and how how you how you got here? Because we all come from very different backgrounds.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, it's an interesting one, really. Um, I have to thank and also blame lockdown for uh, for my my entree, shall we say, into Web three and the metaverse. So, um. A bit of background. So I'm quite an old guy. I'm 55 years old. And, um, you know, never really been a techie. I'll be honest with you. I've I've, I've had an yeah. interest in tech. I've looked at certain, you know, bits and pieces with regards to my industry, the fashion industry. And it's been a bit antiquated over many, many years, many decades. And I've come from a wholesale background. So... Um, a lot of yeah. things changed as, as we went into lockdown. I, <laughs> I was in a situation as everybody were was where you know we needed to connect, and I actually went on an app called Clubhouse yeah. um, and joined Clubhouse yeah. in January 2021. And um, Clubhouse was great because. I was kind of listening to people and educating myself along the way. And I had like different cohorts. So I had a load of people who were from the fashion industry um, and also from a wholesale and retail perspective. So obviously getting close to those guys and and building relationships with those guys. The other thing as well, which kind of shone a light on my own career was the whole discussions in Clubhouse around sustainability and the circular economy and how we've messed up the planet with fast fashion and everything else associated with it. So again, I was learning and connecting with people there. And the voice is actually a really interesting thing because I think you really get a flavor of authenticity sometimes with, with voice. Yeah. And Clubhouse was a great way to kind of audibly listen to the, to the people who were telling truths and maybe some that were not. Um, and then the other cohort was these amazing people who, as I was connecting with, who were much, much younger than me, often old enough to be my children. Um, and they were talking about NFTs and crypto and DeFi and DAOs and digital fashion and everything else. I was thinking... This is a brilliant section of people that I've never really encompassed before. And actually, when I looked at those different areas, so wholesale retail, sustainability, my experience and my career to date, and this new kind of blood of, of interest and education that I was kind of exposing myself to, I thought... Do you know? Maybe there's something in this, and maybe we could bring something all together. And we, could, I could be kind of in the middle, feeding off all these different areas. And that's that's really my first insight to trying to understand. And I'm still learning along the way. Um, but I've been really fortunate over the last year and a half, really, to connect with some amazing people doing some incredible things. Um, so, you know, that's that's where the nucleus came from. And then because of my experience and because I want to learn more, I just reached out to people. I've literally just yeah. reached out to people. LinkedIn has been incredible. Discord channels, I signed up to loads of those. Um, and just got an understanding more so of the the kind of ecosystem and the community spirit that is building literally on a daily basis. So that's that's really how I got into it.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I think lockdown is the uh, the catalyst to many sins, isn't it? Um, it is. I think it was a fantastic opportunity to get people involved. I think it's also fascinating what you say about, you know, you don't come from a technical background. Um, and DeFi NFTs are all very technical terms, and it, it sounds very techie, but fundamentally you're coming from, it from a different angle and actually seeing the use cases for it. Um, and so when you first started hearing stories about this space, you know, what was it that, You know, one, there was the people there, but what kind of use cases did you see? You know, what was it that got you excited about it that drew you in?
1: I think... You know, when, when, because I can see fashion from the other side, you know, I've been in the industry for some 35 yeah. years and work with lots of big brands and small yeah. brands, but I've got an understanding yeah. of not only sales and marketing, but also on production. Yeah. I'm not a designer, I'm not yeah. involved in supply chain or anything else, but as part of my job and the career that I've had, I've had to have an understanding of most elements of, of the critical path of production. So when you start looking at some of the ways that digital fashion in particular can alleviate some of the pressures of just sampling. I mean, even if you just take the basic thing of sampling. So if you've got a big brand and I'm not going to name any brands, but if you've got a big company and they're producing, you know, a really sizable collection. Um, or literally collections every few months or every few weeks, some of them. Um, What people don't understand is the time and the cost and the implications on human resource as well as the environmental resource for producing those products. Um, To give you an idea, if you're producing samples and it's going backwards and forwards from the brand to the supplier and back again for amendments and tweaks and everything else, that process can take six to eight weeks. Um, If you do it digitally and you're using something like Clo3 or Browseware or any of the other packages that are out there, you can reduce that down to probably about, well, one company in particular has reduced that process down to 27 hours. So that's a huge matter, you know, that's a huge benefit to the business from a profitability point of view. But more importantly, um, you know, it just stops this. Overproduction of, of 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 products and of time, you know. It's it's it. Th- that's just one use case, Scott. And there's so yeah. many of them. And the more that I see about transparency and blockchain, and you know, there's some amazing companies like Made to Flow is one that will go in and audit the supply chain of the brands. Um, you know, there's some brilliant people doing amazing things and using technology to allow them to do that. And I think, for me. The, the people I resonate with, and this is something quite close to me, are the people that talk in layman speak, you know, the ones that don't get over technical, the ones that just break yeah. it down. I'm an old guy, you know, and I need to understand it before I can implement it. But once I've got my head around that, and more importantly... I'm using, you know, where I am in my career to try and help as many people as I can to just break things down and, and, and make it accessible for everyone, because that's the key. Technology is going to be the answer to sustainability without a shadow of a doubt, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I think you're also right about the, you know, terminology and about the you don't necessarily need to understand the tech stack to have an mm-hmm. understanding of what the the inputs and outputs of it are. You know, and yeah. as you say, you can look at a supply chain and start to understand. Well, actually, I've, there's tools here I can use that will help me out and speed up. You know, being able to reduce a, a effectively a prototyping cycle from six, eight weeks to twenty-four hours, forty-eight mm-hmm. hours. I mean, one is phenomenal. I mean that's yeah. phenomenal from a you know a business perspective. You can test ideas out. Presumably that also means you can get it in people's hands quicker as well, because you can test digital assets out far quicker as well. You yeah. Know, so that also gives you that feedback loop like, with a customer in a way that you wouldn't have been able to get previous unless you were making <laughs> a huge number of prototypes are given to people
1: yeah Yeah, i think part of the problem with a lot of brands and the historical way of doing it was you know you've got a design director that creates the idea then the team will implement and produce the samples then the samples get made then they go out to the sales team and then the sales team go out to the stores and the stores then buy the product and you know that process is a really long process and now with digital Um, You can shorten that right the way down. And like you say, which is really valid, um, you can get feedback when you need it before anything's made. And actually, you know, that business model is something very, very close to me and something I'm working on at the moment, because that has to change the way that we consume product. And I think, you know, maybe some of your listeners, you know, they're they're used to fast fashion and. Fast yeah. fashion has been We have created this monster with overconsumption because we've made it so easy for people to buy stuff and to return stuff. So most of those big players that again, I'm not going to mention any names, but some of them have returns rates up to 35%. Now, when that goes back to the brand, some of them will try and resell them. They'll try and do some, some will yep. burn the products Some will stick it in landfill. Um, and these are the dark secrets, unfortunately of the industry and again, I'm not just going out to blow the doors off the industry. I'm not some kind of, you know, avant-garde crusader who's, you know, doing all these things. But there are some really not very nice things happen in the industry. The, the second most polluting industry in the world. And, um, you know, we need to be looking as we go into Web3 and as we go into the metaverse, at looking th- at those mistakes that we've made and I've made. Yeah. I've been part yeah. of those decision making to some extent. And we need to... Condition ourselves to educate the end consumer and everybody associated with the industry to do it more responsibly and to do it with a sense of purpose. And more importantly, to do it for my kids and their kids and their kid kids, you know? Um we've just gotta we've gotta put these foundations in place because if we don't, we're just gonna be screwed. It's as simple as that. And I don't know if I could square on swear on this podcast, but <laughs> that's where I'm at. I,
0: I, I think you'll find there. I mean, I hadn't realized it was as big as, you know, the second biggest polluting economy i mean that's really i mean that's really interesting that is really interesting um it's a good point about fast fashion because i think if we were to speak to our listeners most of them would would put in terms of priority in terms of what they care about almost every certainly other people uh, on our platform that we speak to mm-hmm. you know green issues the environment sustainability are always high up on in terms of what's important to people um but at the same time the amount of money people have to spend and the accessibility to clothing they have they would love the big brands they would love the big fashion but fast fashion is ultimately what people can afford um mm-hmm. and you know also what's people who are kind of incentivized to kind of interact with and, and to buy um and if that then has a negative impact on the environment you know people almost turn a blind eye to it because mm-hmm. there's there's a need to want to, to want that access that fast fashion um I've often seen like, certainly coming from a gamer, then moving into the sort of metaverse space, you know, the, the opportunity to actually get access to some of these bigger brands that you wouldn't normally be able to get access to is actually quite appealing. You know, so yeah. yes, I won't mention any brand names, but, you know, you can have that handbag or you can have the outfit that you might not necessarily have had, but you've got it in virtual form. So it still yeah. gives you a connection to that brand, but without necessarily Absolutely. having the physical item. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree I agree. I think it
1: is gonna yeah. you know, brands are being very strategic at the moment about diversifying their audience and looking at these opportunities. And part of my job at the moment is is being in this situation where I'm I'm talking to brands and I'm talking to technical yeah companies that obviously have products and and everything relating to web three and the metaverse and actually bringing them together and looking at those use cases but you're exactly right scott brands are now looking at things in a very very different way because they they want to keep the integrity of the brand um but they also understand that there's a lot of people that do want to buy into it and and more importantly when you look at the resale the resale Market in the UK and throughout the rest of the world, actually, you know, even in the States is booming at the moment, you know, with the likes of Vinted and, you know, and and those types of guys. So that secondary market is already working in the real world. And actually, we've not even scraped the surface yet of what can be done with NFTs and how people are going to. They're going to develop their own income. They're going to develop their own jobs. They're going to develop their own opportunities and businesses out of that secondary market. And that's really exciting, really exciting for someone like Hundo, because, you know, you guys yeah. are right at the at the leading edge of, of facilitating those types of opportunities and careers. Um, so, yeah, I think th- there's so much that we don't know about at the moment. And I think we'd, we are all still working it out. And everybody that I speak to, literally on a daily basis, it's, oh, my gosh, look at this. Oh, my gosh, look at this. And as we're doing that, the ecosystem is all educating each other as well. I'm I'm learning so much more about crypto. I knew nothing about crypto like a year ago, you know. Didn't even have a MetaMask wallet, let alone know a little bit about Coinbase and everything else that goes with it. So, And it's important that I understand it. I don't need to be an expert in it, but I need to have a level of expertise in it. And I think that's important
0: yeah absolutely absolutely um i often say you don't you don't need to understand the way aws works to buy a book of amazon but you probably need to know how to interact with it safely and how to use your how to use your credit card in that space yeah. and i think it's yeah. the same in same in the crypto space and to of understanding that i mean, just go back to that point you know you're talking about you know nfts within within the fashion world about the use cases that are starting to be created there you know how do you see brands starting to leverage that and starting to make the most of that you know in the in the next few years you know it's hard to predict further in the future but Mm -hmm. how do you see them taking that opportunity right now
1: so the one that stands out in my mind is someone like Mm -hmm. nike right so obviously dot swoosh i don't know if anyone's kind of tuned into that yet and signed up if you haven't do so Mm -hmm. if you're listening to this podcast get on there kind of Pre-beta or beta version, um, because I think what they're doing is really, really impressive. They bought a company called Artifact in December of last yeah. year. And, and that the whole premise behind that purchase was to develop their not only their digital assets and the way they engage in this digital environment, but also to build a community. And actually, when you go on dot swoosh and you, you know, you sign up, you get your NFT, you know, you get you can secure your handle. But more importantly, when you start dipping in and seeing what's happening with regards to the the products and the lines they're bringing together in a way that they are bringing communities together. And I think that with with the idea around the whole DAO thing of you know people coming together no. from a corporate perspective i think that's really what i'm really encouraged to see and I, I i'd say i think nike have just got it on point on so many different levels at the moment huge investment mm-hmm. from them but they are they're in it because they know they're going to they're going to storm it they really are i think the next year this year actually towards the middle and end of this year a lot more people will understand nfts will understand why people value them and why yep. people want to produce them and also you know they'll understand about the transparency and the authentication towards products and they'll just get a, more of an understanding of why these things are about because they are going to be part of our daily lives and I think you know when I speak to my kids I've got three kids 17 sorry 18 19 and 20 um, my youngest just turns 18 this week and you know I talked to them and I've been talking to them over the last year about how brands are working with NFTs and how digital is going to be part of their lives so much more so than my life Um, and they are getting their head around it and it's wonderful to see because they do they are coming to me now and saying hey did you see this dad did you see that so I think when parents start reacting with their kids and kids start and bringing the two together because we shouldn't be seen as dinosaurs that have no understanding we should be seen as people with x ex, with experience that should be called upon and then manipulated in a way that makes it relevant today and to tomorrow and i think as parents that's really important to me i want to be that kind of dad um you know that's that's, that's me and that's what i want
0: yeah absolutely i think mean, you touched on a really good point there you know I've, I've got a small son as well and i think that you know i i spend a lot of time he's, he's younger than yours but i spend a lot of time thinking about how you know, the information I need to give him as he starts to navigate into the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm old enough to have grown up before social media and to have seen the impact and I'm now terrified about how I actually educate him and get him ready for that as he starts yeah. to engage with it. Um, and I think it's, you again, touching on a really critical point. I think parents are really crucial to understanding this space mm-hmm. as well. You know, so if you are listening to this podcast and you go, actually, my parents don't understand this, you should probably sit down and talk to them about it, you know, find out you know, what ha- what their understanding of this space is, because they'll have the experience having probably been through the social media boom and probably been mm-hmm. through the tech boom and, you know, understanding what happened there, but then also being able to apply that with what they can see, you know, coming up with the IT space, with the Web3 space about yeah. how to, you know, how to potentially be, be safe in that space. Um,
1: yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Point. it's really it's, Sorry, it's, re- it's, re- sorry. It's, it's just you've just <laughs> highlighted something that happened when I was young. So when I was eighteen, I'm talking a long time ago now. But there was huge campaigns around um, AIDS. You know and and people catching aids now you know we're fortunately 30 40 years down the line now and we've you know we've kind of we've looked at that situation and it's manageable now and people are not so terrified obviously it's, it's a horrendous situation to be in but you know there are there's, there's a support mechanism and, and there are things in place for that but actually society kind of rang these alarm bells and at the moment there yes. is massive alarm bells about data security and protection yep. and you know and all those types of things and and it's with good reason a lot of people are really worried about their data and um you know but we need to be we need to be educating ourselves and I think going back to your point there Scott there is an assumption of things that we don't know about and actually you're right people listening to this should be sitting down with their mum and dad or their carers or their parents or their grandparents or whoever you know they engage with and just say look do you actually know what I do and why I do it And actually, that's a great starting point, because if the answer is no, I don't, then there is conversations to be had. And that, from a family unit perspective, just should be bringing people together. I know it's easier said than done, um, because unfortunately, people are set in their ways, both from a youngster's perspective and from a, a slightly older person's perspective.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. It's, it's a really good point actually. It's a way of bringing families back together again to be able to say let's have a conversation about this new this new technology, this new landscape that we all don't understand and we're all trying to work our way through. Um I was wanted to jump back to a previous point you made as well about um you know Nike and about what they're doing in this space and I think they're doing fantastic things, you know. They they're obviously you know pioneers in terms of a brand trying to work out how this works for them and experimenting a lot in this space and sort of hitting the nail on the head. And I think they're doing it well because they're thinking community first, you know, they're thinking about their community um, and they're thinking about how to leverage effectively the fans of the brand. Um, And they've been good at that for years. It's not like it's something new for them to leverage their fans, but they're, you know, they're obviously thinking quite heavily in terms of that and how they, they provide them with something of value. Um, I've also seen, you know, they talk about, you know, digital collectibles. They talk about it in that terms, you know, they've moved away, you know, they're moving away very sensibly from the technical terms that drive it. And I think that, that kind of helps with that second piece we were just talking about, which is actually when you're having a conversation with people. If you could talk to people about a digital collectible, it makes far more sense than talking about an NFT, you know. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to understand everything yeah. that's driving that to get to that point. And I think it starts to help you understand the use cases of what you can do with it a lot better. No, I was no, I was
1: just I was just saying I think If you can make things relevant to people's lives, you know, if if you look at NFTs, I'm again just talking quickly about NFTs, but NFTs are going to be part of our lives. And if you said to your parent, well, actually, or, you know, if you're going to vote in a few years' time, chances are it'll come through as an NFT as opposed to a ballot card going through your letterbox, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think there if you can use those types of use cases and make it relevant to people, then it's much easier for people to understand and to accept, you know, you're going to go to Glastonbury or you're going to go to a gig or, you know, you're going to have a proof of attendance. You know, these are, these are things that are going to be so common in our world. And at the moment, they're just acronyms that people don't even, you know, I speak to so many people and they've just got no idea what these things are. But it is all down to just explaining it and making it really easy for people to digest. And, you know, that's what I want to do from an industry perspective. I get designers coming to me on a daily basis saying, please, just let, explain how, what I need to do. You know, and I'm saying, well, you know, you need to speak to this person, you need to speak to this person or listen to this or, you know, there's, there's lots of resources yeah. out there. And I think, um, you know, the more there is and the more that this community going back to the Nike analogy, the more the community gets together and starts sharing good practice and understanding, then the quicker we're going to get to where we need to get to in a, in a much safer, more cognitive, more responsible way. And I think that's so, so important.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think Glastonbury is a really good example. You know, if you tell somebody they're buying an NFT for Glastonbury, not that I know they're doing this, but if they were, you might get questions. If someone's buying a ticket for Glastonbury, though, and it gets delivered as an NFT, then. Mm-hmm people won't necessarily question it if that then yeah. trans if you then get a proof of attendance because actually you you did actually go you 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 proved you were there by scanning it in you then get a proof of attendance again you might just think oh fantastic you know i've got a badge to prove i was there and then afterwards you can start to build utility on top of that yeah, which is actually absolutely. just what you get you, you have this ticket you, but no point is that anybody have to say i've got an nft just go well, i've got a ticket i understand the concept of a ticket yeah. but it's just a different way of delivering a ticket to me um it's a different way of proving i was there um and then it's it's easier for people to start to imagine what the the future cases for this could be. Well, now I've got a collection of these tickets over time. Maybe mm-hmm. I've, maybe that gives me access to something else. Maybe I get maybe I get a discount next time round, or I get to be yeah. first on the line of people trying to buy a ticket next time round because I've got it. You know, you can you can start to build off that. Yeah. So when you're speaking to your your children or you know anybody anybody younger what advice would you give people who are you know either either starting out in the fashion space or starting out you know in the technology metaverse space you know what kind of advice would you give them in terms of you know what they should be looking at what they should be thinking about Mhm I think for
1: me I, I, I try and Try and encourage my kids just to ask lots of questions. I mean, it's as basic as that. Yeah. The, but the most important thing is to be able to listen. You know, it's it's. I mean, I talk yeah. a lot. I mean, you, you can gather I like to talk. But I think the most important thing is to listen. And and you're never too old, yeah. or you're never too, mm. you're never too qualified to to take something. Mm. You know, many many times in my day, Scott. Honestly, I have conversations with people, and I just think actually I'm just going to take that little bit of what they do. I'm not going to copy yeah. it. I'm just going to replicate it to some extent, but make it my own. And I think what we've lost in society is individuals, individuality. Mm -hmm. You know, I grew up in the 80s and again, I'm not going to take you down memory lane, but there was a lot of characters there. You know, we just come out of the punk scene. So people were used to being individual. They didn't worry about individuality. They celebrated it. And actually, a a lot of society at the moment is very... It's siloed, you know, and unless you conform Mm. and unless you do it in this particular way, you're not going to succeed. And that really is not the case. And I think, you know, there's a lot of people that I know that are looking to get into this field. And one of the reasons I really like what what you guys and, and Esther and the team are doing is... You know, you're breaking that down. You're saying you, d- you don't need a CV. You know, you've got the skills, yeah. you've got the attributes. I've watched my my youngest boy play Fortnite many years ago. Um, he's not into it so much now because girls have got in the way, but that we are. Um, But, you know, in that situation, I could see him man-managing. I could see him building relationships. I could see him you know, just interacting in in lots of ways that would be really useful for him, not only from a business point of view, but from a life skill point of view and a marriage perspective, you know, and and I think it's those types of skills that that often get missed by parents, because, you know, they, they think of their kids in these rooms just in in isolation, and actually, they're far yeah. from it. They're much more active, mm. much more, comer, you know, co- commercially minded as well. You know, there's some amazing talents. I read today on on LinkedIn of some VTuber in Japan, 26 year old that now now is a billionaire. You know, so there are some amazing businesses being started in bedrooms. And, and you know, that's something we should celebrate. The world is changing. The work-life balance is changing. We're not going to be working a nine to five in years to come. We're yeah. not going to be working Monday to Friday in years to come. I don't think we are now. And I think that's only going to improve and, and get more flexible. And employers need to understand that. Employees need to understand that. And we've just got to take the pressure off youngsters. I think that going back to your point, we've got to take the pressure off them, allow them to be individual, allow them to be as creative as they can and just encourage people to talk and to share good practice. If we can do that, then we've got half a chance of getting it right this time.
0: I think that's a fantastic summary. That's a fantastic summary of where we are. And I think it's something we definitely believe in as well. I think you're absolutely right. There's people that are getting an awful lot of skill sets and that they're, they're learning a lot by themselves, but they're also learning a lot with the network. You know, yeah. you may be watching on YouTube or you may be interacting on Discord, but you're learning a lot. And there's, there's an entre, entrepreneurial spirit that's kind of been driven in a lot of younger people. Um, and I think being able to drive that and then give people the framework around it. You know, we, we often speak to a lot of people who are they might be a fantastic developer or they may have built a discord server or they they, mm-hmm. they may be leading a clan in the world of Warcraft or fortnite, whoever it might be. But I have no idea how to apply that to the real world. you know yeah. I haven't haven't yet taken that step to how ha- well, how do I apply? I don't even realize I have leadership skills by running you know running a team of people that are playing Fortnite but i do yeah. but you haven't even yeah. you haven't even made that connection and quite often it's just about helping people bridge that gap and to say actually these skill sets you're learning you know when you are playing around with you know a 3d modeling in this space or you are mm-hmm. you are adding some clothing to your avatar you even know there's a potential for you to do that and actually get paid to do that within the fashion yeah. industry and be yeah. able to join the dots between that yeah. quite often people don't you know they, they might have an interest in the fashion they might have an interest in the, avatars but they've never joined the dots
1: yeah that that that's always been a bit of a problem with regards to creatives actually i've worked with a lot of really Mm. amazing creative people and they're they're brilliant at what they do however making it commercial and making money out of it is a different part of the brain and it's a different part of intuitive conversation to see, to identify these opportunities and to go for them and to close them down and to get the deal and to get paid and all the other bits and pieces that go with it. Um, but I also think that, um, you know, there's, 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 there's so much talent out there that is, is lost. And part of that is the fact that I think when you really love something, Scott, it's not work. I mean, that's the crux of this, you know, when you're doing it because you want to do it and you're always doing it because you always want to do it. That's the perfect job. And there's loads of those jobs about and this is, this is the, what people have got to get into their head. And actually, you're not doing a job just to get paid. You're doing a job because it's inside of you. Emotionally, yeah. it's what excites you. And it turns you on. And, and that's where you get the pleasure. And and why would you? And then you become good at it. And then you get other people telling you that you're really good at it. And that just gives you this self-perpetual kind of career. And, and I think once you get into that little sweet spot of doing what you love, getting rewarded for what you love and also getting some level of accolade and I'm not talking about you know well I'm this and I'm that and I'm this and I'm that it's just a question of knowing within yourself that you're confident enough to be good at what you do and um, that's good enough that really is good enough you don't have to you don't have to push the envelope you don't have to be bullshit you don't have to you know do all these things to kind of over promote yourself if you've got that in internally, then that comes out anyway, and I think that's really what—that's what youngsters and older people. Everybody should keep that going, keep that fire going. If you keep that going, then um, you know we'll all live to a long old age and and have a bit of fun along the way, hopefully.
0: <laughs> and amen to that. I think that yeah, absolutely fantastic way to end. I think I totally agree with that. If you can if you can enjoy what you do and get paid for it then and continue learning then that is that is a way to a happy life which is yeah. definitely what we want to facilitate cool um so we're coming up for a half an hour so thank you very much for joining today warren uh absolutely fantastic to chat to you uh obviously we'll be in touch as part of Hondo as well and we hope yeah. you'll stay close to us so thank yeah you.
1: for sure I, i've really enjoyed it scott you know and, and these types of conversations are always great sometimes with the beer in hand is always better but you know it is what it is and i think it's um You know, I just, I really want to support you guys in any way that I can. And if, honestly, if anyone wants any help, if I can, if I can help in any way, then, you know, please reach out and um, I would do my damnedest to try and, to try and help out. And if I can't, then I'll definitely know someone within my network that can. So, uh, yeah, my door's always open to you guys.